Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions, with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today I welcome Unity Minister and author Alden Studebaker to the show. Alden has served uh, ministries in California, Texas, Washington State, Ohio, and Wisconsin. He's written two novels, as well as the best-selling book, Wisdom for a Lifetime, How to Get the Bible Off the Shelf and Into Your Hands. Isn't that a great title? Uh, The revision of this book, uh, Wisdom for a Lifetime in the 21st Century, is the subject of our discussion today. So it's a pleasure to welcome Reverend Alden Studebaker to the show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm glad um, to be sharing with you and your uh, and your audience today. Yeah, and this book is a bestseller, isn't it? I think I read that uh, the original uh, edition uh, he, he sold 13,000 copies, which is great, and um this one is uh, slightly updated with the latest scholarship, and uh, so it's so it's good. I remember getting the first one back in the in the nineties and uh, thoroughly enjoying it, and so uh, it's exciting to read um, read it once again. And uh, let's let's kick off with a, an idea: the Bible is a problematic book. Some of us don't want to get it off the shelf because it's um, it's difficult to read. Number one. And and it says things that we might not agree with today, you know, and it seems to contradict itself. It's It's got a lot of anger and violence in it. You know, why, why bother to even open it? What would you say to people who have that attitude? Uh, they're absolutely right. It is a problematic book. And uh, one of the reasons I wrote Wisdom for a Lifetime is to help anybody who had maybe uh, even a beginning of an interest in studying the Bible and learning from the Bible, what do I do? How do I begin this process? Uh, what am I right. dealing with here when I pick up the Bible? And uh, so I took the point of view of, 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 of looking at it as a literary piece, talk a little bit about how it came to be written, the, the fact that it's not a book that was written by one individual, and that it's not a book that was necessarily written by God, but a book written by many authors over a period of thousands of years in languages not like our own. And and so that's what makes it a little more challenging than just picking up the latest book by Deepak Chopra or anyone else, is that it is it is a it has multiple personalities, and it is. You know, kind of a a book that describes human human evolution, and uh, you see, you know, stories in there that are you know horrific that you wouldn't wouldn't show to your kids if it was a a movie or a television show, and yet um, it's a book that's not going away, and I think that people would benefit from at least having a rudimentary understanding of some of the stories in there and maybe, you know, if they dig a little deeper to discover, you know, some relevancy for their lives. And certainly our, you know, co-founders, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, uh, you know, the Bible, you know, that's what they had back then. 
and they, you know, found that it, it supported them spiritually, but through a discerning lens, the lens of the metaphysician, the lens of, of, of allegory, and understanding that the stories in the Bible are not necessarily literal fact or literal history, and really today, you know, in, in our time, um, that's we really have to look at these stories as ones that need to be interpreted, to look at the symbology and how does this relate to events going on in my life and what's going on in my consciousness. And I think that's where unity has a real uh, role to play in Bible study for particularly progressive spiritual seekers. So I wrote this book to really, because I I was finding some frustration uh, around teaching the Bible in Unity churches. And when I was teaching uh, the Old Testament interpretation course from the old uh, CEP days, it's now uh, called uh, Interpretation of Hebrew Scriptures, but back then you had uh, 10 weeks to teach interpretation of all the books of the Old Testament, and that's just a, a pretty much an impossible task. And my frustration was that we, we how do you go about doing this? How do you develop you know relevant spiritual sustenance, insight, uh, food, if you will, from studying whether it's the Old or New Testament? How do you how did the Charles Fillmore, how did Eric Butterworth and others arrive at their interpretations? There must and, and I and I remember asking. Uh, the folks back at Unity Village, the teachers, uh, Frank Judithy and uh, Laura uh, Barrett Bennett come to mind who were teaching the Bible. Is there any handbook out there that you know shows people how to do it? And they said, not really. There's a few, you know, uh, syllabi lying around that might have some things, but but no book. So that was my inspiration for writing this book, and uh, so I really. Um, uh, took a took a took a chance on writing. I'd never written a book before. I uh, took time off from pulpit ministry and uh, positioned myself. I, there was a, a family-owned uh, house available in Topeka, not far from Unity Village, and so I could stay in touch with the Unity Book Department as I wrote the book. And fortunately, the uh, Washburn University Library had a lot of old Bible books in it, and so I did a lot of walking over there and and looking at what uh, those had to say as I as this book became began to write itself through me. I have a religion background; I have a bachelor's degree in religion, so I have a bit of a, um, a background in you know, the world religions. I'm not a Bible thumper per se, but I always thought you know found value in reading the Bible myself was introduced to it when I was a, a member of the Youth of Unity uh, back in when I was a teenager. So um, I just felt like there have to be out there in the new thought, metaphysical, and progressive world people who might want to learn how to do their own interpretation and what do you do where can you go to find uh, some helpful tips on how to do it? So it's really a handbook. It's not a book of finished interpretations like you know Charles Fillmore's books, Elizabeth Sam Turner, Eric Butterworth, uh, Emmett Fox, and others. It's it's it, there are some examples or samples of, of of metaphysical interpretation, but it's really a book that I wrote uh, to show the tools that are available to people. Uh, for doing just interpretation in general and also metaphysical interpretation, a method by which you can do this yourself. Uh, and I wrote it deliberately in a conversational tone because when you think about, oh, we're going to study the Bible, most people are starting to yawn. And I thought, well, if I can just engage people in reading this book uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a language that is is, is somewhat engaging, um, maybe they'll keep reading the book, and maybe they'll kind of go, well, man, maybe I could do this too. And I remember back when the book was just about ready to come out, it, the first edition uh, was coming, came out in 1998, and about about three months before it did, Unity Books sent out what they called readers' copies, um, and these these were like kind of like the book, but it wasn't the final the final version. 
And they did this to a lot of community ministers. They sent it all over, I think about 100 or so of them, to get their feedback on the book. And I remember one of our colleagues calling me up. You might know Festus. Uh, he he was, is still a minister. I think he's retired now. But he minister up in uh, Minneapolis area. And I knew him from ministerial school. He was in the class just a year ahead of me. And he called me up and he says, Alden, I have your book. I go, yes, Festus, because he, he has a very distinctive voice. I knew who it was. And I said, so what would you think? And he says, it reads like a novel. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, I wrote a Bible book that reads like a novel. And, that, and it was actually from, from that statement of his that several years later, the idea came to me to actually write a novel. It had nothing to do with the Bible. But um, anyway, right. this is a little bit of the background behind the writing of this book. And um, it, it, you mentioned how it sold 13,000 copies. It, it, um, that's not bad for a Bible book. Uh, why they, they call it kind of a bestseller. I guess if you sell over 5,000, that's pretty good. And it, ran out of, it went out of print. Uh, in uh, paperback form, there there are you can still get, uh, or used to be you still could get an ebook of it. They they did years later, and I am in between ministries right now. Um, I'm I'm no longer in Wisconsin. I actually live in uh, not far from Kansas City, and uh, so during this COVID period, I I took the time uh, to revisit the book. I actually got the the original uh, electronic files from Unity Books. About a little over a year ago, I uh, met with, uh, with someone from there that I knew, and um, I just set about the task of, okay, if I were going to write this book today in the year 2020, how would I change it? How would I improve it? And uh, then COVID hit, and that really kind of put a, uh, the brakes a bit on my um, my pulpit career. So uh, I focused on redoing, actually redid all of the, the books that I published, uh, through um, Amazon Kindle Direct, which is a, a marvelous way for authors to get their um, their works uh, online and available. So that's that's what I, what I did. And as I mentioned, uh, you mentioned it, it's called Wisdom for a Lifetime, but in the 21st century. So this is you know a, a, a fresh update of the original uh, book. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the book itself. Then that's a little bit about the background and. Uh... You know, when the uh, when the Jews wrote the Bi the Old Testament, the the Hebrew Bible, um, mm -hmm. of course they were aware of these various levels of meaning, right? And there's a long tradition in in mm -hmm. Jewish history and, and Jewish scholarship of Bible interpretation at, at many levels, and and you've laid out some of them yourself. You know, in the in the nine lenses that you you offer from the the literal to the metaphysical, uh, and fortunately we. Um, in in uh, the last several hundred years, especially in the Protestant tradition, um, you know, have, have become more and more literalist, right? So there's these folks out there that uh, see the Bible as a, a literal text, and and that's impossible to do, as you said in the book. Everybody interprets the Bible. There's there's no such thing as a fully lit uh, literal version because everybody chooses to see. Uh, things in symbolic terms. You, you you have to if you're going to make any kind of sense out of the Bible. So so really, uh, literalism falls down because it it misses the point often, doesn't it? There's deep wisdom on this wonderful adventure through the Bible, but you're going to miss it if you insist on taking it all literally. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, this is probably the one book you shouldn't take literally. If you want to call it a book, it's really a collection of, of different books uh, assembled together over time. And uh, both, you know, the Hebrew Bible and the Christian New Testament, just um, uh, such a diverse collection of different kinds of books that require different lenses of interpretation. And certainly, I mean, even Jesus spoke to the idea that what he was saying to people was not literal. All of his parables need to be interpreted at the very minimum allegorically. And uh, many of his um, actions and things need to be interpreted allegorically or it's symbolic of something else. You know, when he goes and he's walking along and, and he's kind of hungry and he sees a tree 
and and he wants to pick some fruit from it. And he doesn't see any fruit on it. And it's a fig tree, and he curses the fig tree, and it dies. And people think, oh my God, you know, what's that about? Is it a, is it about how to get rid of uh, unproductive fruit trees? <laughs> that would be a literal interpretation of it. And no, he's not talking about that at all, is he? He's maybe speaking at a deeper level, talking about how perhaps certain ideas, certain states of consciousness, certain attitudes that are no longer producing fruit for you in your life, you need to eliminate them from your life. You need to deny their power and get them out out of your um, out of out of your life process. You know, it, it's it's just a book that um, is 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 one that needs to be looked through many lenses. And in the book I talk about, as you mentioned, the nine different lenses, and there are probably more than nine. I just came up with nine. Um, but, uh, you know, is this is this book um, historical? Well, it is to some degree, but you have to understand it's history written with a religious purpose. So, you know, maybe when you're reading some of the stories, maybe there's some uh, bit of like telling a fish story. You know, well, I caught this uh, bass and it weighed, you know, 20 pounds. When really it maybe only weighed two or three pounds, but my, it was huge, you know. So if you're going to talk about, you know, the great triumphs of the, of the children of Israel or perhaps even some of the other miracles in the New Testament, maybe you will tell them to impress others in a little, a little more grandiose way about it. So it is historical and it's one of the, one of the remaining historical records of what happened thousands of years ago, but it must, it must be looked at uh, through the lens of, of a historian and, and understand its religious history. Is it factual? And in other words, I use the word factual. I don't necessarily mean literal, but are can we trust any of the facts? That's a big term today, you know, being, uh, you know, that there are alternate facts out there. Can we accept the Bible as facts? Well, maybe some of it. You have to decide when you're reading a passage or a story, uh, is this probably what happened? Is it likely it happened? Do we know for sure? No, because we don't have the cameras there from CNN or whoever to record it so we can watch. Yeah, those are the facts. That's what he said or that's what happened and so on. Uh, and, and on down the line, you know, the, uh, I talk about the dramatic aspect of the Bible. And really, you know, some of the stories make for great soap opera um, so, uh, is the Bible. And I also suggest that the Bible's comedic. Well, was it written to be comedy? Maybe not, but it was written about human nature. And certainly when we watch uh, some of the, uh, the comics out there, you know, like the late night comics and so on, they talk about news stories. Um, you know, they take a news story and they give it a little twist. And there's nothing wrong with us today here in 2021 looking at a Bible study and saying, you know, that's kind of funny what Moses was doing there, arguing with God about the fact that he didn't speak very well. And please, God, don't get mad at me. But I, I, I just I'm just not good at public speaking. And finally, God says, oh, the heck with it. I'll have your brother Aaron speak for you. And you just tell him what to say. I mean, I just think that stuff like that is kind of funny. Um, but right. and we, we approach it with a certain piety, don't we? And so we we can't allow ourselves yeah. to enjoy the comedy of it, right? Because, well, maybe that's yeah. unseemly. I've, I've got to approach it in a, quote, quote, holy fashion. And it's not yeah. really a holy book in that sense. It's it's meant to be a whole book, right, that includes everything in it. And uh, the Jews were very aware of that when they wrote it. And, um, and, and so it's okay to see the funny funny bits. I think Jesus is quite funny too sometimes, but his, his humor is lost because number one, perhaps through translation, and number two, because, oh no, you know, I can't, I can't see Jesus as a funny man. He, you know, he, he's, he's my savior. I've got to take him very, very seriously. And, and so we, we miss yeah. the whole joy and fun of the Bible often, I think, um, as a result. You know, something you also mentioned earlier, um, in, ter in terms of uh, the the story and the, the factual nature of it, you know, we we don't have to have uh, the great Shakespearean plays be factual in order for us to understand the universal truth, right? Uh, it doesn't matter to me if King Lear ever existed; he represents something universal in my own being, and um, and so do all the other characters in the book. And so, 
uh, I can find meaning in that play, you know, regardless of whether it's ultimately historically true, which it probably isn't. Um, and I think the same with the Bible, right? The uh, the universal truths are told through story, but whether the story is literal or not, or totally factual or not, is is really um, missing the, missing the point, right? Missing the point of the deeper significance of what the Bible has to say to us. I, I totally agree, and you know there there are parts of the Bible that. Um, particularly the birth stories in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, which do not, um, are usually spliced together to create the Christmas story, the saga, the the whole, right. the whole um, okay, images of, of that um, supposed time. Most scholars, when they look at those stories and they look at how the text is put together in Greek and so on, are, are, are mostly uh, in agreement that these stories were added later. Uh, that uh, the whole idea of Jesus being born of a virgin and all all of that um, added later, and so it makes you wonder. Well, gosh, if these stories are, are, aren't in sync with each other, are they wrong? Are they false? Or whatever? And um, you know, so we have to say, well, is it okay that maybe Jesus was born like every one of us? <laughs> can we can we live with that? Um, and if ours, these stories maybe not being factual, that doesn't mean that there isn't some spiritual truth or energy that you can get from actually studying them in a in an allegorical or metaphysical sense. And maybe we need to, you know, take a step back on, on this whole literalism approach to things that we find that that is prevalent among certain aspects of the Protestant Church. You mentioned earlier uh, this this um, trying to make everything absolute truth and word of God um, that we need to kind of take take a step back and say well maybe this is allegory maybe this is uh, a story that is maybe not so much about the birth of a human being but the birth of something maybe a little deeper in all of humanity that is that it is a uh, a story about our spiritual unfoldment, enlightenment, and so on. And, and that's exactly. how I look at those yeah, stories. Absolutely. And, you know, you know uh, 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 talking about the birth story, uh, if it was that important, surely all four gospel writers would have included it, right? And, and only two did. So um, it does tend exactly. to seem and, you know, like the, it was the, the an, earlier... an addition, and they do contradict each other mm -hmm. a little bit, the two birth stories. Um they, but, uh, you know, again, they, they if you do. take and, it in, and, the, and, in a less Paul, than factual mm -hmm. way and understand the deeper yeah. significance of what, you know, what the virgin represents and and, and what the, the wise man or the shepherds represent. And, and then you begin mm -hmm. to see that, oh, well, this is fascinating. You know, maybe it's a pure consciousness, innocent consciousness into which the Christ is born, you know, the virgin consciousness. And and uh, he, 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 that consciousness attracts both the wise and and the seemingly simple within us, right? All parts of our being, the shepherds and the and the magi, um, and they come with their different offerings, you know. Um, and so you begin to look. Well, what part of me, you know, is is uh, is one of the magi? And what part of me is a simple shepherd? And um, and how do I show up, you know? And who who's who's the most genuine, you know? Because I always feel like the shepherds were a little uh, more humble than the the wise, the wise man, the wise man came, dropped off their gifts and took off, you know, um, but the, the shepherds seem to be truly connected. So, again, different aspects of devotion, right? So there's all kinds of ways of interpreting it um, uniquely for us. And I, I think that's one thing, although that I found when I first started metaphysical interpretation is this book is unique to me, just as it's unique to you and everybody else that comes to it, right? Because we bring our own soul knowledge to the words, to the stories, and and therefore it's it's personal to us. And and to me that's wonderful because that's the power of true scripture. I think that it it speaks to us all universally and yet personally. And uh, there, there's there's definitely power in that. Absolutely right. Um, you know the they're, the original writers. You know, they, 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 there was original intent behind what they wrote. 
and they were primarily at that time writing to the people of their generation and maybe some uh, a bit beyond that. And here we are today, thousands of years later, and maybe their original intent wasn't for us. So that's when we have to look at, well, what's the universal meaning that we can glean from their writings? And it's through right. interpretation that we can do that and uh, that we need to really set aside this this whole literalism and this whole its history and all. I mean, you mentioned the birth story. Why didn't the Mark and John talk about the birth story, and why didn't the first writer of the New Testament well, we're at the break. consider so to be Paul? Take know, a Paul, break here. Paul never... uh, we're already at the top time. Folks, I'm Thank with uh, Olden Studebaker. We'll be back to talk more about the Bible, especially metaphysics in the second part of the show. Join us after these messages from Unity. Practical Spirituality Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome to part two of today's show. I'm with Alton Studebaker, he's an author and a unity minister. He's written a book called Wisdom of a Life, for a Lifetime in the 21st Century, How to Get the Bible Off the Shelf and Into Your Hands. And we talked a little bit about the background of the book, how it's a toolkit to approach the Bible in an effective way. And the core of the book really is about metaphysical Bible interpretation, which we're going to spend the second segment talking about, because that's, that's the sort of nubbins of it all. And I, as I was mentioning in the first segment, when I when I discovered metaphysical interpretation and the fact that it was a book all about me in the, in the sense that all aspects of consciousness are represented in the Bible, and those those are aspects of my own consciousness, and not just me, of course. It's about all of us, so so that each person comes to the Bible in a, a unique way. And my old Bible teacher and and other metaphysicians at Unity Seminary. People like Ed Rabel um, advised us to trust our own intuition when it comes to interpreting the Bible. Right? We could, we've got this uh, various methods we can approach the Bible with, and we'll talk about that four-step method in a moment. But the ultimate mm -hmm. thing is not to be hidebound by methods or or looking up things in dictionaries, whatnot, but to trust your own intuition here when it comes to understanding a passage. Because then it can really speak to you, I think, and and then it becomes alive, and and a part of the adventure of life. So you got the Bible as a a source book for the for the adventure, the ongoing adventure of what it means to be alive, and and that's a wonderful thing when when it can become that for you, because it takes the the Bible from that dry and dusty um, literalist approach to something much more vibrant. So Alden sketches us through the uh, the four-step method to look at the Bible metaphysically. And maybe before we do that, we need to preface it by saying, what what is metaphysics in this regard? Well, metaphysics is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot and used in many different ways. Um, I think the general population hears the word metaphysics and they, you know, they throw in all kinds of stuff like astrology and you know, uh, different kinds of worship and things like that right. uh, that are maybe more on the new age or, or far out area. Um, uh, the word, you know, there's a whole study of metaphysics in an academic sense, you know, based on the work of Aristotle. Um, literally, the word means to transcend or go beyond the physical level. And, and in a way, that's sort of what we're talking about here. Uh, the way I look at the word metaphysical in relationship to the Bible is to understand that it is an allegorical interpretation with a psychological and a spiritual element. So what you're reading in the Bible is symbology, okay? You know, this represents this or this or this, but when we look at it psychologically, well, what does it represent in my thinking, my consciousness, my psyche? And then from a spiritual sense, what you're kind of leaning on here is with your intuition, as, as Ed Rabel mentioned. I had Ed Rabel, too, in, in the ministerial school, so I'm familiar with, with him and his approach to things. And, and it's really about what comes straight through to you 
without necessarily engaging your intellect or going through all these steps that I mentioned in the book, what jumps right out at you that seems relevant, meaningful, and something that you're going to remember. And the thing about the title of this book, I need to mention, Wisdom for a Lifetime. I didn't, I didn't, we had other working titles for this book. You know, Bible for Dummies is already taken, and I don't think Unity uh, Books would have printed a book uh, with that uh, politically incorrect title. Um, but, but that's what I started with. And, and it was our, the editor of Unity Books at the time uh, was Michael Madej. He was a ministerial classmate of mine. He was one of my best friends. Sadly, last year he, he uh, passed away. But um, he was uh, out driving somewhere. I think he was up in Michigan. Uh, he's from Michigan, and he was driving somewhere. And off, it's like the sky opened up, <laughs> and the idea of wisdom for a lifetime came to him to uh, to title the book. And the idea behind it is if you do the work, if you have the interest, you do the work, you do the study, you do the reading, you do the prayer work, and so on, and you come up with an interpretation that's meaningful to you, that's wisdom that will last a lifetime. You're not going to forget it. Uh, I liken it to eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on good old white Wonder Bread. And um, you start eating one of those, not that I eat Wonder Bread anymore, so we don't, but you know, it, it, everything starts sticking to the roof of your mouth after a while. And, and, the, and the meal stays with you in your mouth into the rest of the day. And you're just looking for a glass of something to help wash it down. And that's the whole idea here is, is, it, is it if, you, if you invest yourself in metaphysical Bible interpretation and are willing to, to, you know, spend a little time with it, um, you're going to remember whatever verse, whatever story that you've focused on, uh, you're going to remember that in times when you really need to remember it, when, you're, when your faith is tested, when there's something going on in your life that is, uh, is challenging, or when you want to sit down to meditate. Maybe there's a phrase from the Bible that you remember. And um, I'll give you an example of that, and we get to the steps here. Um, I, there's a, a rabbi I know in uh, Bellevue, Washington. I, I met him when I was a, a associate minister at the Unity Church there, and his name is uh, Ted Falcon. And I met him, and he was looking for a place to hold services, and I put him in touch with our church at the time. And he's a kind of a metaphysical rabbi, you know, kind of a new thought rabbi. And I said to him, I said, well, what verse from the from the scriptures is the best for meditation? And without missing a beat, he just simply laid it out, be still and know that I am God. Boom, like that. Be still and know that I am God. I was expecting something more obscure than this quote from the book of Psalms. Uh, I've never forgotten it. And whenever I sit down to meditate, you know, I often move to that scripture to help me get to the point of, becoming still and knowing that God is present. How simple can that be? But that's that's where relevancy comes in. How can it be useful to you? You know, we unity is practical Christianity. So um, how can it be practical to you in living your life in a more positive, constructive way? So, right. Absolutely. Um, are these if you don't mind, let's take a, um, a, a parable that everybody knows. Okay. And so we don't have to explain it to them, our listeners, because I think everybody knows the Good Samaritan, because um, yeah. we grew up with it, perhaps, or, or we're familiar with that story, and see if we can apply these this four-step method. So le le would you lead us through uh, with, with the Good Samaritan as a basis? Sure. Well, you... Um... The, the first step is to select, read, and study the scripture. So you, you select the passage that you want. Now, this uh, story is from the book of Luke. Uh, I don't have my Bible open right now, but um, we can certainly do that real quick here. But you, um, you read the passage several times. Let me get to that real quick. By the way, if you're ever wanting, uh, you don't have a Bible, but you have a a smartphone um, or some electronic device, you can go to BibleGateway.com. In fact, I think they may even have an app that you can go to. And so um, 
that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, and I pulled it up here, and here we go. It's in the book of Luke, and it's chapter 10, 25 through 37. And so what you want to do is to select the passage and read it several times. And so you want to read it right now? I can do that. Well, it might be a bit long to read the whole thing it might be right a bit now, long. but basically okay. that's so what you would do, folks, you know, this is, about, this is a story about, uh, you know, the, um, the man who was on a, a journey where someone is asking to, uh, Jericho what do you do to inherit and robbers, eternal um, attacked him, yeah. right, and took away um, his goods, exactly. and almost left him for dead, and, and various people came by, but they didn't help him, and then this Samaritan, this despised minority came by and exactly. helped him, and... Um, and, uh, you know, gave him a sucker, t- took him to an inn, etc. And, and the preface for this, the, the parable, of course, is um, when a, uh, one, of the parab- one of the Pharisees or a lawyer comes up to him and said what, to Jesus, mm-hmm. well, you know, what must I do? What is the right thing to do mm-hmm. um, to serve the Lord? And, and he said this parable. And um, so it, it's an indictment in a way, isn't it, on, on uh, certain qualities within us but let's not get into that yet but but that, that's the basic story i think so let's go from there yeah. how, you, how are you going to inherit eternal life you know and um again there were these different people that, in the story that came upon this guy that had been beat up and all like that and you're right there was a, a priest there was a levite and uh and then there was a samaritan and for those who aren't familiar the samaritans were people of a Semitic background, a Jewish background, but uh, as the history of um, Israel uh, unfolded, they became kind of uh, um, not full Jews. They were considered, um, you know, uh, I guess the best way to put it, uh, people from the other side of the tracks that you don't, you know, you just don't pay attention to. Uh, and we won't spend a whole lot of time about about uh, their background, but uh, this is the person who decided upon seeing this man in this horrible situation, uh, bandaged his wounds, uh, took him uh, to an innkeeper, gave him uh, money to look after them, and and then so on. And so the question is, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law, the Pharisee, probably said, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, okay, go and do likewise. So be like him. So you you simply look at the story, read it over as many times as you want uh, until you have a clarity about the story. And so the first step is just simply getting into the story. And to, if you want to learn more about uh, the story or passage, there are things you can do by looking at Bible dictionaries, commentaries, and so on to uh, gain a greater understanding of, of, of the story and maybe some of the background of it. And, and then um, what step two is about is to look for different words in the passage that are important to the storyline. And so this is where you're looking uh, for proper names of people. So you would look at the the priest, maybe, and the, the Levite and the Samaritan and look up who these people were. Um, uh, and then I also suggest, and this is something that's not done as much in more traditional metaphysical interpretation books, but to not just look up the nouns or the objects that are part of a story, but to look up the action what or the movement or what what what's taking place there and you know in the story that we're looking at here you can see that there's someone who is showing mercy there's someone who's moving someone or taking someone to help so there's some action going on there so you look look at the uh the verb so to speak and just any other words or phrases that are are helpful or kind of descriptive of the scene so you're you're starting the process of developing allegory here of of seeing the symbology and and then to take it a step further the step three is where you start to explore well what do these objects what does the the priest and the levite and the samaritan represent in me 
And so the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, uh, which is very unique to Unity, there's no other book like it, that has suggested interpretations of all of the names and places that are in the Bible. English dictionaries are good, too. Uh, and there's also a way of looking at the original, now in this particular case, Greek words that are that the English is translated from to understand maybe what the root meaning of those words are in the language of, of the book of Luke. And so then you have to start thinking about, well, what do these words represent in consciousness? What what does the, the, the priest represent or the Levite? Maybe, maybe they would be somewhat similar uh, in that they are maybe repre represent that aspect of us that is not as embracing of others of, of as as fellow human beings and really you know samaritans were not really looked at as, as true human beings or true jews so to speak um and is there a part of me that does that when i run across um uh somebody you know along the way or maybe they it just it just represents somebody who's stuck in their own thinking and their own way of being and forgetting about the truth that we are all human human beings deserving of mercy deserving of aid and so if somebody like a samaritan could be merciful maybe i can too so what do they represent in consciousness and then what you were saying about how yeah we can do all this stuff looking in dictionaries and, and so on and other books but to get to the point where we look at a story, we look at a passage, and we say, what is it that clicks for me when I read it? And so you look for, as, as Ed Rabel saying, trust your intuition. Look for that personal spiritual dimension that rises to the surface of our mind and our, our, our heart about the story. And that's when the interpretation then becomes clear, relevant, and we can, you know, remember it or write it down or, or whatever as a way of um, of creating our own wisdom that's going to last us a lifetime. So, uh, you know, and that's one of the, I think that's one of the awesome stories in the Bible. Um, and, you know, um, heck, um, I guess, uh, what is it, is that, there's that RV club called Good Samaritan. Um where, you know, you got one of those, I guess, if you see somebody else who's broke down, you help them out. So, and then, and then the word Good Samaritan is just part of our English language. Everybody knows what that means um, when you hear it. And it's all from this one story in Luke. Yeah, it's a beautiful story, like you said, it's become famous um, because it's very succinct. It's just a few. Uh, verses right but so much is is told the lines that i like is you know the both priest and the levite looked on the man but passed by on the other side you know uh, that's the, one of the mm -hmm. translations and uh, it's so easy sometimes to, to you know to see the problem but just go by on the other side we just don't want to deal with it right it's 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 exactly. too complex and messy to deal with so i'll just uh, just yeah. pass on by and, and the, okay, the priest and the Levite, they, they should have known better because they were the leaders, supposedly. They certainly had mm -hmm. all the rituals and the, the understanding. And, but sometimes that's not enough, right? The intellectual understanding, the ritual, um, it, it, it has to be a felt response. And the Samaritan, although he was less than in, in terms of uh, less than the priests and the, the Levites, he was real as well. Um, he was creating a... Um, he was uh, demonstrating an openness, a willingness, and, and, and uh, you know, warts and all. I used to tell the story in church, and it was I used the word smoker instead of Samaritan. He was the good smoker, because we all dislike <laughs> smokers now. You know, they have to go outside right. to the smoke station and whatnot. Yeah. They look down upon, but the good smoker was the one that helped, <laughs> whereas as righteous right. people didn't, didn't want to do it. So it's it truly right. is That's about... Breaking the barriers, isn't it, between the, you know what we think we know, right, the the Levite and the priest, uh, and what we're tr mm -hmm. truly willing to demonstrate, you know, even if we've uh, and perhaps because the the Samaritan is an outcast, 
you know, he felt empathy with with that man, you know, in a way that the the priest and the Levite who had it all together, you know, did, they didn't feel that same empathy. Um, it was beneath them. I I know um, there's folks in India, uh, you know, certain castes that won't uh, won't have any dealings with another caste because uh, they feel that they'll be polluted, you know. And I think there was there right. was some of that mentality, I think, in in. Uh, in Israel at that oh, time yeah. as well, you know, that they, those people were beneath the dignity of a priest to, to deal with that. Um, yeah, I think every society and civilization has had people who were, like in India, the untouchables. Um, and, you know, we don't have to look far in the United States about that either. Um, after, yes, you know, exactly. It's alive and well, century, it, unfortunately. Centuries of, centuries of slavery. I mean, really, um, we're still coping with that today absolutely no. i think that's what makes the the story you know universally uh, and perpetually relevant right because it's so it's so close to human nature you know the ways we we avoid dealing with the the difficulties you know of being willing to to be there i think during covid you know we uplift the the nurses caregivers etc the doctors um, and and others because they are willing to be the good Samaritan, you know, to to put themselves on the line, and they're, they're demonstrating mm-hmm. for us, um, you know, that they're not disappearing. They're they're standing with us during the uh, real tough times, and 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 uh, I think that that's uh, inspirational for us as well to see the people acting in that way. Yeah, and we need to to to. to truly appreciate people who do this to show our our gratitude um to point them out in whatever way we do that whether it's social media or in person when you see somebody uh, at a hospital or clinic who's who's maybe attending to you um you know they're 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 um to being of service and and i think this um story again so many ways to interpret it uh, it, it is about being of service to your fellow human being. And when you see somebody who's um, having a rough time, laying along the road, so to speak, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to pass by on the other side? Or are you going to say, hey, um, what can I do to help? What can I right. do we to have to ask this I mean, question me... every day to ourselves, don't we? You know, how, can I, how can I be helpful here, you know? If I'm on the street and mm-hmm. somebody does a stupid thing, you know, do I lash out and call them an idiot, or do I send a a prayer, uh, you know, uh, and of <laughs> empathy to to that person, whatever, uh, you know, it, it's it's very relevant, isn't it, to uh, to our day by day life, and that that's what I love about metaphysical interpretation. It's um, it's real to where we where we are. We only have for like four minutes left. So, what would you like to share with our audience that we haven't uh, with our listeners that we haven't covered yet Alden I would simply say to folks that you know if you are one that has kind of taken the Bible and left it or left it on the shelf if you even have one that um, perhaps you could get it off the shelf blow the dust off of it probably has some dust <laughs> and yeah. Start just just start leafing through it, read certain parts of it. I you know, and I would say to somebody, well, if, you know, if I if I'm more metaphysically oriented, where would I begin? Um, the Book of Psalms, the Book of Proverbs, good parts of the Hebrew Scriptures. I think the Sermon on the Mount. It's hard to go wrong there. Uh, if I'm going to read one book of the Bible all the way through. Uh, to start with, I'd say it's the book of Genesis. Read that and understand it's allegory. It may be some historical fact, too. We can't prove it. But uh, it, 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 the, the Bible really is about human evolution and our understanding of life and our understanding of our higher power. And in a way, and I remember one time, I went back in in ninety ninety eight when the book came out. Um, Unity Books hired a publicist, which was uh, it was a great time to have a book published by Unity. Let me tell you, they had me into a studio to do an audio version of the book, which I'm going to 
uh, be turning into uh, electronic form soon. Um, I have these uh, cassette there was cassette tapes at the time, um, and so they anyway they got me out there uh, on television on radio, and I remember going to this radio station in Dayton, Ohio. And this is back when I lived in uh, Cincinnati. I was a minister in Cincinnati, and uh, there was like a, 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 a an ex biker. Uh, gang leader guy turned fundamentalist minister, a psychic guy in me, talking about the Bible. I remember the caller calling in and, and going off in kind of a fundamentalist, literalist direction. And I said, look, I think God grew up in the Bible. You know, God starts out as this very yeah. mean, tough well, as go guy, what, what I like to call mean Santa. Uh, <laughs> He's checking his list and checking it twice. He's got to find out if you're naughty or nice. And then in Jesus, God becomes this daddy. You know, Jesus calls him the father, Abba, if you're going to look at the you know, like original Aramaic. And what does that really mean? So God becomes this, this um, personal support presence, you know. And then right. you look into, into the latter part of, of, of the Bible, into the epistles, First John, fourth chapter, you simply read the words, God is love. And Beautiful. so in a, in, in a manner of seeking, our understanding of what God is in us evolves in the Bible. Now, I don't know if the caller right. liked what I said, and I know the, the biker guy turned fundamentalist was kind of looking at me funny, but yeah. I think the psychic guy was with me. I think he was all right. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's a, what I'm, a, a I'm whole to, new I'm, show, another show, isn't it? Talking about the nature of God and, and the various aspects right. of God. Let me yeah, let me tell you about yeah. next week's show, and then we'll say goodbye to to Alden. Um, next week, a spiritual teacher, Amoda Ma, joins me, and uh, we're going to discuss her book, uh, "Falling Open in a World Falling Apart." I love that title, "Falling Open." in a world falling apart. Join me then. But right now, I want to thank Alden Studebaker for being on the show and introducing his book and how to interpret the Bible uh, metaphysically. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. And thanks for listening, folks. Have a good week. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 